Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome David Stone. David is the public face of I Fearless. He is a life coach and transformational speaker and leader dedicated to helping people overcome the anxieties, worries, and self-doubts that keep us all from achieving our highest potential. In 2009, in spite of highly successful international marketing career, he worried himself into homelessness, then fed up with fear, anxiety, and self-doubt that got in the way of life he wanted to live. He set out to find a better way. Now he guides others to live fearlessly through books, workshops, keynotes, and blogs. His latest book is Unsubscribe from Anxiety, Opt Out of the Myth that Worry is Required, and Take Charge of Your Own Life Now. He is a proactive, inspiring, and disruptive writer, speaker, and change agent. He makes hard topics accessible and helps people enjoy the expansion of their comfort zones. He firmly believes that your parachute can't open until after you've jumped out of the plane. David is a certified trainer in the Jack Canfield Success Principles and a professional member of the National Speakers Association. I'd like to welcome you to the show, David. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Thanks so much, Dwight. I really appreciate being here. And I do love to share uh, what I've learned with folks because worry and anxiety are things that uh, are rampant in the world, even before we had COVID introduced to our, mm. into our lives. And now we, you know, so many people have so many things that they want to worry about. And uh, my message is that it's not necessary. Yeah, and, and we'll, we're going to be diving into that, of course. So um, one of the things that I, in my life, have realized, and most of this realization came from the fact that I'm a huge nerd when it comes to Marvel and Star Wars and stuff like that, and the origin story around how they start in the middle, and then they dial it back years later, and both those massive series, both started in the middle and then they go backwards to the origin mm -hmm. and then yeah. you know as an adult and you look back that i'm thinking to myself why do you do that why don't you start at the origin is not the origin of what people or what th things are going on in, in a storyline more important than starting in the middle and so i really want to make sure that i understand people's origin story so tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently well that's a good question and uh and in fact it's quite um quite pertinent because uh i grew i grew up uh just outside of toronto 
And uh, I grew up in a, a wonderful, wonderful family, but uh, the ratio of family members to income was on the very low side. And I don't suppose we were technically poor, but certainly we, uh, it, was, uh, it was a stretch. And what that taught me, or what I took away from it, was that uh, you know, a number of things about money. First of all, money is hard to come by. Secondly, uh, if you want to be rich, you have to be either lucky or crooked. And, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, negative things about money. Uh, I remember very clearly my uh, once a month, my parents sitting around the kitchen table with this stack of bills and these terribly worried looks on their faces. And so I came to associate money with uh, negative things. And as a result, uh, you know, and this isn't blaming them or anything. This is my own uh, fun little thing to deal with. Uh, I spent a great deal of my life worrying about money. Will I have, and even in the times when I was making a tremendous amount, uh, I would still worry, okay, this month was fine, but what about next month, you know? And I think that this is something a lot of your listeners might uh, relate to because we, we catastrophize about things. We, we look ahead. We're not living right now. We're living somewhere down in the future in some terrible future that is sort of spirals down through bankruptcy and then uh, a dread. And then ultimately, you know, we're pushing a shopping cart and looking for bottles to turn in so that we can buy some cat food for dinner. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I sort of lived with that mentality about uh, this relationship with money and of course, my worst fear was having none or not having enough. And uh, as what happens is, you know, the things that we fear the most tend to come true if we, don't, if we dwell on them long enough. So that's exactly what happened to me. So I spent my, you know, youth and my adulthood uh, worrying about money. And at the age of 55, my worst dream came true and I landed homeless. And it was funny because I, uh, uh, as, as you mentioned in the, uh, uh, in the introduction, I was still working and I was pulling down a healthy six figures, uh, traveling uh, all over the country all, and around the world actually, but through all kinds of things, uh, you know, poor money management and various things, I still landed sleeping in my car. And at that point, I sort of looked around to, for somebody convenient to blame, and whether it was the government or whether it was the economy or the weather or who knows what, surely it couldn't, it had to be somebody. And of course, I had to come to the conclusion uh, that the only person present for every decision that had led up to this was me. The only person, I was the common denominator, and that took a minute to, <laughs> to ponder on that one. And said, but that was a huge breakthrough when I said, okay, uh, what if it isn't anybody else's fault? What if it is my fault? What if it is my issue? And because what's there's a real amazing thing happens when you decide to take responsibility, because as long as it's your fault, all right, Dwight, it's your fault that I'm suffering, until you decide to change things, you know, you decide, well, David suffered long enough, I'll change the way I'm doing things. I'm powerless to change my life. But as soon as I decide that, no, it's up to me, then suddenly I regain the power and I can make the moves that I need to make to, to make things better. 
And I remember very clearly waking up one morning with my leg wrapped around the gear shift and sort of saying, all right, that's it. That's enough. I've had, uh, I want out of this. And saying kind of out loud to anybody that, was, that would listen, you know, whatever I've been doing has not worked. Because you know, everything that I've been, been doing landed me here. And this is not what I call success. So I'm wide open to hearing somebody else, you know, some other advice, you know, some other way. And it was very interesting because at the time, uh, I'm still serving my clients, uh, so, but living in my car. So I would wake up and go into the truck stop restroom and shave and get myself ready for the day. And then I'd drive to the public library because they had Wi-Fi and I could do my work. This is back in 2009. And um, I'm working away and uh, I have to go to the bathroom. So I get up and I walk into the men's room in the public library and I'm walking through the stacks where they have all the books. And this book literally fell off the shelf and landed on the floor in front of me. And I, being a tidy guy and a guy, I bent down and picked it up. And it was a book by, I don't know if you're familiar with the great or the late great uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who was a tremendous uh, motivational speaker and coach. And I started reading it and I thought, ah, okay, there are answers to this. And my, you know, my, I'm wide open to hearing from somebody else <laughs> had been heard. And uh, so that was the first of hundreds and hundreds of books that I've read and studied. And I, I made a subject of studying my own mind and how it works and how worry and anxiety, how we attract these things to our, you know, the things we worry about tend to be attracted into our life. The other thing that I learned is that worry and anxiety, because are not facts of life. We all assume, you know, well, worry is just one of those things that you have to put up with. And what I learned is that it's not. Worry is, in fact, a mental choice that we make. Some external event takes place. Uh, you know, I go broke. COVID comes in. Uh, my, you know, my girlfriend dumps me, Wh whatever might happen. Um, the worry and anxiety, or I'm afraid that all these things happen. Well, it's the outside uh, thing is just an event, just a circumstance, and they happen all the time. It's sunny or it's rainy. The worry and the anxiety lie in my choice of response to that external event. And what I discovered is that we all have been trained to worry. We were all brought up trained, being trained to worry. You know, when you think about uh, what our parents taught us, and this isn't blaming mom and dad, but you know, when you were six years old, don't talk to strangers now. Now don't touch that, you might get sick and you know, make sure you wash your hands. Uh, stop doing that, your hands will turn green. Um, and so all these things going on, we were warned about and told though, you know, there are so many bad things out there. Now, you know, you were told don't walk, you know, don't talk to strangers. Well, when you're six years old and walking home from school by yourself, that's really good advice. But if you're 36 or 56 or whatever, and you're still afraid to talk to strangers, that's gotten right out of hand. And so, but the point is we were trained to worry. We were trained that bad things happen. The language that we, oh, I'd worry about that if I were you. Oh, that's worrisome. Uh, you know, just the language that we use. And now today, fast forward, we've got 24-7 news. And you flip on the TV. I, I mean, I've traveled 
pre-COVID, I was traveling a great deal uh, serving my clients uh, on airplanes and being airports all the time. And the TV monitors are on and there's CNN and there's Fox News and you know, there's Wolf Blitzer on CNN saying, here's what you need to know right now. Oh, oh, what do I need to know? And it turns out that what I need to know is that there's a typhoon in the Philippines, you know, on the opposite side of the planet from where I am. And it happened yesterday. Well, why do I need to know this? And why do I need to know it right now? But it's presented in a way that amps up the drama, makes me have that fear reaction. Now, their motivation is that they've got advertisers that are trying to, that, that need eyeballs on the screen. And so the more dramatic we can make it, the more eyeballs land on the screen. And so my point is that we've all been trained to worry. We've all had worry and fear and anxiety constantly reinforced in us. And these choices, these mental choices that we've made, we've made them so often that they've just become a habit. And like any habit, it, it becomes subconscious. It goes below the level of our consciousness. Many habits are useful. I mean, you know, you come home from work at the end of the day, you walk in the door, you drop your car keys in the little bowl on the table by the front door. You don't even think about it. You just do it. And what that does, the beauty of that habit is that it solves the problem. You know, where should I keep my keys? Well, you've solved that problem one time. You don't have to re-solve it every day. So it drops out of your level of consciousness. Good habits really aid us in life. Bad habits, though, also drop below the level of consciousness. We're not even aware that we're doing it. So we instantly have these worried or anxiety responses to all kinds of things. And our body just kicks in. And I'm gonna talk about fear in just a minute. But our body has that anxiety response, our mind has that anxiety response, and we worry. And uh, it seems because we've been doing it for so long, because so many people around us do it, we reach the conclusion, well, it must be natural. It must be just part of my DNA. And I want to make sure that we understand the difference between normal and natural. Normal means everybody does it, but you know, underfunded schools are also normal and partisan politics is also normal, and, <laughs> but it doesn't mean they're good for us. Um, and, but it, it doesn't mean that it's natural or required. And that was the biggest lesson that I learned was that worry and anxiety are simply mental choices that we've been making so long they've become habits and I can make, start making a different choice if I want to. Now, I had to train myself to do that because as with any habit, you, 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 know, it'll, you can replace it, but it doesn't just stop on its own. It's been going for so long. It's this pattern that you've got. So I first trained myself to recognize, sort of bring my anxiety responses into a conscious level not below conscious level, learn to recognize, oh, there I am having a worry choice again, and then slowly decided and learned how to replace it with a different set of thoughts and then replace them with different, uh, completely different and far more beneficial habits. So there, that's a very long-winded backstory of uh, <laughs> how I got to that. It's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, I took so much. I got so many notes here. I got so many things that I keyed on. Um, you know, we could go over every single point of it, but the thing that stuck out the most to me is, that is crippling our society today is the learned behaviors mm-hmm. of our parents, of our friends, of our surroundings. And it's not to criticize our parents, our friends, our surroundings that we're in. It yeah. is what it is. And you're right. We must become aware of the number one poison that goes on on a daily basis. And I talk about and mentor and coach people on this for 18 years, and that's called worry. I've lived in that state off and on throughout my life. And when I finally one day had that epiphany, that light bulb moment where I realized that subconsciously worry was controlling me and gripping my life and crippling me and making it one of the things that caused me to be in quiet desperation, and that's something I talk about quite often, is worry. And I'd lay in bed and quiet and feel, I would wake up feeling helpless or during the day, all of a sudden it would just be like something would, you know, the anxiety yep. would shroud over me. And somebody I just interviewed and actually it went live today, the podcast, Nikki Price, a lady from the UK that does transformational stuff and, and hypnosis and mental building. Um, she talked about the fact that anxiety is, depression is the past and anxiety is worrying about the future. Mm-hmm. Well, she's so right. And I had a light bulb moment when I interviewed her a few weeks ago when my life of quiet desperation, I was worried about could I afford to pay the mortgage? Could I afford to mm-hmm. put the pay for the kids' bills for extracurricular activities? I worried about am I going to be able to time it, still see a client, plus pick them up from school, plus make them suffer, plus get them to their extracurricular. And I just mm-hmm. had this crushing stuff that really wasn't front of mind. Like you said, worry is subconscious and it was tugging at me and it was creating yeah. that quiet desperation. And I didn't understand all the inner workings of the mind. And then like you, I've spent many years working on myself. I think it's a phenomenal that that book from Wayne Dyer fell down. Oh, I, do, I do know who I do know who Wayne mm-hmm. Dyer is. It's just the different little things that happen in our life, and I won't get into the things that cause my shifts, but I do respect and relate to the fact that listeners, you've heard me talk about this before in my video logs um, and other podcasts. I've mentioned it a couple times. Really haven't got into the depth of it on a podcast so like this so far. Worry allows you and tortures you to suffer twice. So mm-hmm. if you worry about a circumstance that hasn't happened, you worry about it the whole time, whether it's subconscious or even maybe you consciously say those statements uh, that David talked about in regards to, you know, oh, that's a worrisome thing or, oh, I bet you're worried about that. You know, we instill that in one another. We need to stop that. We need to stop and worry it needs to be obliterated from our English language because words are powerful and they can uplift, they can destroy, and they can leave us in an oblivion in, in you know, the Bermuda Triangle kind of atmosphere where you get sucked in and you're, you're never found again. And I tell people, as a, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, and what you're concerned about, what you're concerned about and what you worry about. You can be concerned and you can have some, you know, thought processes around what's going to possibly happen, but drive it out of your mind because over the next week, month, year, that circumstance you're concerned about, worried really, you're worried Mm -hmm. about, you don't know if it's going to happen. 
you torture yourself along the way, it might never happen. Uh -huh. And if it does happen, now you just let entered another level of worry. So now you're yeah. suffered once, now you're suffering twice, and you might even suffer even more than twice because it all depends how you're capable of dealing with this, the challenge, the circumstance yeah. at hand. Yeah, and the interesting thing is you talk about suffering twice. Uh, sometimes you suffer once absolutely unneededly because the thing you're worried about never came to pass anyway. So you've yeah. gone and suffered with all the, you know, because it's like you're living it right now. Uh, but then it never happens. There's a great quote from Thomas Jefferson in my life has been filled with horrible events, most of which have never happened. Yeah, and, and it is. We live in that hamster wheel of worry. It's just terrible how it, and it causes a lot of our health issues in the world, in North America, in Canada, come from the fact that people, their brain can't handle it. It needs new information, exciting information fed into it. And all we're feeding it is a, is a feedback loop of worry. Mm -hmm. Like you said about Thomas Jefferson's quote, it's just, we got, a, it's like we got that CD on that you hit the little re repeat or you could do it with a cassette tape or it played yeah. over or even an album, you could get it to start it over. And it, we get yeah. stuck in that loop. And, you know, listeners, I'm telling you, there's a way out. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Anything worthwhile in life is not easy. It's going to take some work. It's not so detailed that you're going to have to take exams. You're going to have to take no. courses. It's really easy to deal with it, but it's not easy as well at the same time. It, there, there's some work that you have to put in and you have to have a realization that you want to change, that mm. you want to put you want to put worry on a bus that goes over a cliff and you take the other fork in the road and leave it yeah. leave worry at the bottom of the chasm so you know people such as david and myself that you know do educate and teach people about worry we've lived it we're not talking that about something that we haven't lived survived and possibly still mm -hmm. have moments i still have moments in my life where i i worry I've got some character building moments going on with one of my daughters right now mm -hmm. and my grandkids. I think about it, but I automatically have gratitude. I find gratitude helps drive a lot of worry out of my life. The more I learn to- Oh, no gratitude, question about that. No yeah, question about yeah. that. It is impossible to hold, to simultaneously hold uh, a thought of gratitude and a thought of anxiety in your mind at the same time. You cannot yeah. do it. Uh, and can you expand on on that, please? Because yeah, I, sure. talk, I talk about it all the time with people, but I'd love to hear your perspective yeah. more on no, that if you wouldn't a, mind. There's a, there's a number of things that we, you know, when, when we are appreciating, and this is one of the, you know, I talked about worry and anxiety as mental habits. And as with any habit, you can only get rid of it by replacing it with something else. And, uh, there are three um, major mental habits that we want to replace worry with. And the first one is gratitude. And, and so we need to train ourselves on a regular basis as frequently as we might worry, train ourselves to focus on things that we're grateful for. So what I like to do and develop the habit of is first thing in the morning when you wake up, 
before you even get out of bed, lie there and say, okay, five things that I'm grateful for here today. And not just, you know, I'm grateful for breathing. I'm grateful, you know, let's get specific, make your mind work here. I'm grateful for this really comfy pillow that my head's been on for the last <laughs> seven or eight hours. I'm grateful for it. Look at that sunbeam just coming right through the, you know, the blinds there. A bird uh, chirping. Yeah. I'm grateful for the yogurt parfait that's waiting for me, you know, yeah, in the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, let's get specific uh, because, as I say, it, you know, our brains are, are wired so that we cannot hold simultaneously a thought about something we're grateful for or appreciative of and a thought that we're worried about. You cannot hold those two simultaneously. So the more we practice this gratitude, the more we practice appreciation and not just first thing in the morning, but eventually like I, I get through, I, I have developed the habit now that I throughout the entire day, like right now, here I am talking to you. I'm really grateful to Steve Jobs because here I've got my little MacBook Air and we're talking to each other and you know, you're 2000 or maybe 2,500 miles away from where I am. And yet look at what we can do and the way we can share this knowledge with people. I'm, I'm really grateful for that, right Right in this very second. I'm grateful for this glass of water that's sitting here in case I get a tickle in my throat. All these things. Uh, and you start getting into the habit of finding those things that you're, that you're grateful for. That is also a skill that you have to work on to develop. You practice it and then it gets easier. It gets real easy because if you ask somebody, quick, you know, five things that you're grateful for, most people struggle a little bit, you know, uh, I guess I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my, you know, the real easy, obvious yeah. ones. No, get, yeah. get specific, get, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that I've got, you know, here, you're in Edmonton, I'm grateful for the fact that I got a pair of warm gloves to put on <laughs> today, you know, cause it's cold out there. Yeah, uh, yeah it's chilly. Yeah. The, those are the kinds of things we practice it. And then that becomes second nature instead of the worry. You practice it long enough and you'll have replaced the worry habit with the gratitude habit. And that's a really, really important one. There are a couple of other habits that uh, we want to work at replacing it with as well. The second one is something that I call replace it with purpose. Now, what does that mean? Um, I believe that every single one of us came here onto the planet to do something to accomplish a particular thing. And that is your purpose. Why are you here? Now, there are some people, I talked about Steve Jobs a second ago. There are some people, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Nelson Mandela, uh, Mother Teresa, Greta Thunberg these days, you know, who have obviously, you know, tremendous missions to change the world. Now, you and I, most of us, uh, you know, we, we're not aiming at earth-shaking uh, world changes. But what, what, what do you get excited about? What's important to you? That you, Why do you get up every morning? And if people say to me, well, I get up every morning so I, have to, so I can go to my job where I'm a wage slave so I can pay the mortgage and put groceries on the table and then I can come home and relax and I can wait till my retirement. Well, that's not, that's not a purpose. That's, you know, you're making a living, but you're just sort of waiting for your life to begin. 
every single one of us has something that is really precious to them. And it doesn't matter. It can be very small. You know, maybe you love gardening. Maybe you love um, pet animals. Maybe whatever it is, painting, drawing, whatever it is that is precious to you. And you say, no, my soul compels me to do this. And I'll give you an example of uh, what I feel is just amazing purpose. Um, my wife's aunt, who passed away a couple of years ago, who curiously enough and, and uh, coincidentally lived in Edmonton. Anyway, and she, uh, she passed away at the age of 99, I think. And her passion, her purpose was she would knit every day, sit there and knit. But what she was knitting was, you know, in the hospitals, in the where the, when the preemie babies are born and they're, you know, they're in the incubators. Well, she would knit the little caps and the little booties that they put, the nurses would put on these babies to keep them warm. And she would crank out dozens of these things. And you'd go visit her and she'd be sitting there knitting away and happily. And, you know, it was just so important to her. Now, did it change the world? No, it didn't change the world, but it kept her going to 99 years of age because she had something to wake up to for a reason to get going every morning. And whatever, you know, my purpose right now in my life, and it's funny, at the age of 64, I finally figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, but, and now I'm launching my next 40 year career. Uh, but my purpose now is to share this with people to say, hey, guys, you don't have to worry. You don't have to feel that horrible, awful thing. Because when your mind is filled with purpose, you cannot simultaneously be worried. Now, challenges will come to you. No question. None of us can live a life that is free of challenge. But when you have purpose, the, all that challenge is, is a, a, an obstacle on your way to, and, you know, and your purpose is so strong and so driven that you will find a way over, under, around, through uh, this, uh, whatever wall somebody, you know, somebody tries to put up to you. All it is is an inconvenience. And this is where, um, where worry is different than problem solving. And I want to make a big distinction here because people worry about things. And I talk to people and they say, well, I worry. Uh, that's how I solve problems when I worry about them. And I say, well, actually, no, because they're two fundamentally different activities. Worry is sort of ruminating. And there's a great word I like. It's called mentating. And essentially, you're going around and around and around in circles because where you are with your thoughts this morning is, very, is no different than where you were with the same thoughts yesterday morning and the morning before that and next week. You're still, you haven't moved, made any forward progress. Problem solving is a very, very different thing. Problem solving begins by we're faced with a challenge, a problem just the same as worry is we're faced with a challenge. When I take problem solving though, I look at this challenge very objectively and I study it and analyze it and I say, okay, what are some potential solutions? How might I solve this, this challenge that I'm facing? 
And I say, well, here's a potential solution and I try it and I take some action and I try that solution and I'll get a result. Either it'll work or it'll work part way or it doesn't work at all. But now I've got feedback and I say, okay, I'll incorporate the feedback. I'll try something different. And that's problem solving. Worrying just goes around and around in circles. Problem solving moves forward and they're fundamentally different things. And we need to recognize the difference between those two and, and say, okay, I'm not going to worry because worry, that's the thing about worry. It accomplishes nothing. Nothing has ever improved because we worried about it. <laughs> you know, all, all that happened, there's four main drawbacks to worry. Number one, it feels awful. It's one of the worst emotions we as humans get to experience. It just feels crappy because you're lying there. It's three o'clock in the morning and you're just, your head is just spinning, feeling awful. That's the first thing that's the problem with it. The second thing is it accomplishes nothing. Nothing ever improved because we worried about it. Third thing, it makes you sick, literally. Uh, we can talk a little bit about, uh, and I want to get onto this, the difference between fear and anxiety in just a second. But, uh, you know, chronic worry and anxiety have all kinds of really nasty uh, effects on the body from, you know, from high blood pressure to, uh, uh, to heart conditions, to gastrointestinal problems, to um, loss of libido, all, there's all kinds of really nasty things that can go on to the point where if you leave it long enough, it can kill you. So there's something to worry about. <laughs> and, but the fourth thing that's, that worry does, which to me is the most uh, disturbing aspect of it, and that is that it blocks our potential completely and utterly. Because when we are worried, when we're anxious, we shift into a different mode of dealing with the world. You know, in a sports analogy, we say we're now we're playing defense. You know, a difference between on a team that plays plays to win versus playing not to lose. There's a big difference. You know, the one is willing to take some risks, and the other is no, 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 don't don't do anything that might. And, and so we don't try things, you know, everywhere from, oh, no, I can't sing karaoke, you know, so you don't even try, to, uh, you know, uh, I'd love to try to, I, I've always dreamed about starting my own business, but I, I'm, I'm too afraid of, you know, what would happen if it failed. And so we never give ourselves the chance to realize the potential that we all have. And that's such a, a, a loss to the world because who knows that you might be the next Bill Gates or the next Mother Teresa or the next whatever um, that you could uh, bring your potential out and see it to the fullest. But as, as, long, as, we're, as long as we're worried or anxious about it, uh, then, then we'll never try that. Here's a, I, I wrote a blog a little while ago. And this is one that your listeners might like to try on, just as a mental exercise for themselves. Imagine that your fairy godmother just poof appeared out, you know, in front of you one day. You didn't ask her. You didn't say, hey, fairy godmother, where are you? Anyway, she just shows up. She waves her magic wand and poof, you are now incapable Hard as you might try, you are incapable of worrying or being afraid of anything. 
Now you didn't ask her for this. You didn't say, hey, I want this, you, but, but uh, that, there it is, that's what she gave you. And you didn't get three wishes, you only got the, you know, she just gave you this one thing. Now she didn't make you rich. She didn't make you, you know, look like Dwayne Johnson or Jennifer Lopez. She didn't give you an IQ of 170. Uh, she didn't even guarantee that everything you try will work out. The only thing that she did was make you incapable of worrying. Now, what would you try? What would you try now that you are not afraid to succeed, afraid to fail, afraid to look foolish, not afraid to uh, you know, have other people disapprove of you? What would you try? And when you ask people that list, they've got their list ready. Oh man, they've, they've got this long list that they're happy to try. Well, the, the bad news is there is no fairy godmother. The good news is you don't need one because you have the power within yourself. It's kind of like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, you know? No, remember when the Glinda and the Good Witch of the West said, you've had the power all along in your ruby slippers, just click them together. You can have anything you want. And we have that power when it comes to stopping worrying. You don't have to have the fairy godmother. So that's a really useful exercise. What, because we don't often think about, I'm holding myself back, but imagine that it was gone. What would you try? Ask yourself that question and then say, hmm, maybe I'd be better off not worrying. So true. That is, that was great. Oh, thank I, you. You're welcome. No, <laughs> oh my gosh, I got so many notes, it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, it's bottom line, you know, like you said, nothing is accomplished by worrying. And, you know, we did touch on this and I educate and teach my clients when I try, you know, not always successful, but help them work on the six inches between their ears. Mm -hmm. And, you know, worried, like you said, makes you feel awful. Nothing's accomplished, makes you sick and blocks our potential. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, why aren't there classes out there today? Why aren't there courses that are screaming all over social media? Take this course. We're going to teach you how to stop worrying because just people listening to this or me telling people, you know what, here's some steps to help you stop worrying. You need mm. to have some gratitude. You need to, here's some things that you have to be, you know, come to my website, come to my yeah. website. <laughs> We've got that course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, perfect. I'm going to lead up to but, that. But, uh, but, you know. you know, I'm just joking, but of course, but, um, uh, to answer your question, why aren't there? It's because everybody believes that worry is just fact of life. What can you do about oh, that? It's, like it's, the sky is blue. What, what you're going to tell? Take a course that tells me that I can make the sky green? It's a society <laughs> challenge. So it's a, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a poison in our society. It's a the committee of they has drank the the worry Kool Aid, and through mm -hmm. phrasing, words, associations. We live in it, we bathe in it, and we accept yeah. it. And it's time to stop accepting it. And, you know, I look at the fact of all the worrying that I've done in my life and mm -hmm. has, it, has it accomplished anything? No, it hasn't accomplished anything. And then you talked about, you know, like gratitude first thing in, in the morning mm -hmm. and, and being intentional about your gratitude. I don't specifically pick five things, but I have gratitude of, I add things to my gratitude. So, yeah. so I yeah. might have gratitude for having that comfy pillow because I do mm -hmm. gratitude for having a blanket, a bed, a roof yeah. over my head. I'll look up and think I'm even grateful for my ceiling fan. 
because yeah. I like having a little bit of a breeze going. Even in the mm-hmm. winter, I li- I just yeah. like this the white noise and a little bit of the breeze. But I'm most grateful. One of the things I've added, and people are going to chuckle about this because I know people that don't have this ability, swinging my legs, like flipping the blanket back, swinging my legs over and putting my feet down on the floor, mm-hmm. being able mm-hmm. to walk from yeah. my bed into the bathroom, being mm-hmm. able to have a bathroom, to yeah. a washroom when there's billions of people that don't have that, to brush my teeth, to mm-hmm. just gratitude for, for things that we've taken and become so accustomed to feeling yeah. entitlement to having that we've forgotten that it's a blessing, right? Oh. It, is a, it is a blessing yeah. in that we need to embrace it, right? And Absolute, unfortunately, too absolutely. many don't. Albert Einstein said one time, he said, there are only two ways to go through life. First way is to assume that nothing is a miracle. And the second way is to assume that everything is a miracle. Mind shift. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, how miraculous is it that somebody came up with this ceiling fan thing, you know, and somebody invented or discovered electricity and somebody invented this machine that does this, that we get to lie there and enjoy that just soft breeze. You're you're absolutely right. right. All the and, things and, that had to happen to make that be there. Yeah, and how many people sacrificed, and this is mm-hmm. gonna be a little bit of a, a side, but I think about the fact of even when I've been to um, Hoover Dam, mm-hmm. and how many people died in oh, the yeah. making of Hoover Dam. Or mm-hmm. you go into the Rockies, they have the switchbacks for the trains. Yeah, amount yeah. of people, the hundreds of people that died making oh, those oh. switchbacks so yeah. that your product can go from one coast to the other. Mm-hmm. And people don't appreciate that. They just are demanding, entitled, yeah. and and it drives their worry even more because now they're if they're a business owner waiting for a sea can full of product from China or whatever, they're wondering why it hasn't arrived yet. And oh my mm-hmm. gosh, and they don't even think about the origin of what went on when it was produced what had to happen to get it in that sea can, to get on the boat, to get there, Mm -hmm. to get unloaded, get put on a truck, be brought, you know what I mean? All the inner workings because people are so engrossed in their own entitlement, they forget that every stage of what they have in their life, as you mentioned with the ceiling fan, Mm -hmm. somebody had their hands in that jar and that cookie jar. And we need to appreciate even having gratitude for the fact that people don't make what we make. They don't have maybe three mm-hmm. squares a day of me like meals they mm-hmm. don't have so many things but yet those people are trying to support their families and yeah. their economy and their society or whatever their standard is and they're making a lot of times our life better That's, oh absolutely by their sacrifices yeah. so everything yeah. in our life even the shirt i'm wearing somebody oh, yeah there's a sacrifice, the packaging of it, the sending of it out, the person that's selling oh, yeah. it to me at the, at the clothing store mm-hmm. to, you know, people, we're all connected, respect one another, I, appreciate one another for every yeah. value add that you get from somebody on the other side of the planet to yeah. somebody at your local store where you purchase that product or service. Yeah, it's funny, I, um, you talked about things traveling around uh, you know we're heading into christmas soon uh we're we're a couple of weeks ahead while we're recording this but um uh i was at the post office the other day to send off a parcel to the family and uh you know they they weighed it and measured it and all the rest of it and they said that you know that'll be 
$25. And they said it kind of apologetically that if, you know, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's that much. And I, and I said to the person, I said, holy moly, that, you know, I live on the southwest coast of Florida. I'm sending it to my brother in Toronto. 1800 miles away. I said, do you think I would carry this thing for 1800 miles for 20 bucks? <laughs> this is a bargain that somebody would do this for me and that there's a system set up. All I have to do is hand it to you, give you 20 bucks and he's got it. Yeah. It's, it's a mind shift of how we look at the world around us and how we appreciate it, literally appreciate it. Well, we, and we just have to realize that you know, even he, this is going to be a back. This is kind of a delivery thing, too, in regards to parcels, but it's a little bit different. There's been posts the last few days, people saying you should boycott, boycott, delete, you know, apps that do food delivery. Like in Canada, we have Skip the Dishes, we have Uber mm -hmm. Eats, we have DoorDash. And my daughter posted along with it a little a box. She posted and said, you know what? Do you realize that each one of those drivers are supporting a family. Yeah. So by you saying this, the person that had posted it and it had started going viral, by you saying this, you're devaluing, you're you're saying these people are more valuable, you know, go do instead of go go and pick it up. Go do that. You mm. probably need to get out of the house anyway and blah blah blah. All really they're trying to be mm. positive, but there's negative connotations within mm. it that they didn't think about and my daughters have been my son too have been trained to to be a little bit different in their thought process, to flip it on its ear and and think to themselves. And so when she posted that, my chest popped out. I was so proud. I was just oh, like, you're right. You know, you, yeah. you're right. Mm -hmm. I, Morgan, good for you. You made it people, whoever sees it, maybe hopefully I shared it. Hopefully other people mm -hmm. share it that people need to realize when you do one thing that affects a certain population and might lift them up, you're hurting somebody else. Mm -hmm. Think of the big yeah. picture, and, and most people are not big picture thinkers, right? And you need to be. So the, every one of those Uber drivers, like Uber Eats or Skip the mm -hmm. Dishes, DoorDash, they all have families to support. And by telling people not to utilize those services, be, and you mm -hmm. know why their reasoning was? Well, you're, you're cutting into the profit of that restaurant. But it's spread out. So if you're getting somebody coming, picking that food up and shipping it out, you're selling way more food than you normally do. All of them mm -hmm. have been. They're hurting because they have their overhead and they don't have the people coming and sitting in. But I, I challenge people that are listening, think of it this way. You go into, let's say, a Denny's and you sit down and eat and you're there an hour, hour and a half. You take up real estate. Waitress has to come back and forth, which is fine. And they make X amount of profit. They have to pay for that waitress. They got to pay for everything out of your food costs. Now that same food cost is still going to cost you the same. If Skip picks it up, Uber picks it up, DoorDash picks it up, it's still coming to your house. It's still costing the same amount, right? But it's it's actually a less cost for the restaurant in the long run than an increased cost. There's actually a profit in increase, not a decrease, depending on how you look at it on a on a on a numbers basis. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that. That person that delivers it to my door, I overtip them all the freaking time. At one time, mm -hmm. I didn't think that way. Pizza book guy would come, two, three bucks. Now mm -hmm. I'll tip 10, 15, 20%, depending sure. on what I, I, what's the weather like. Mm -hmm. Where are they delivering it from? They're only getting paid three bucks, let's say from Uber Eats or DoorDash or Skip, raise them like three bucks. They got to pay their gas. 
They got to pay their insurance, wear and tear in their vehicle. And they're bringing it to me so I don't have to haul my own butt out. So the restaurant's getting something. There's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The driver gets a benefit. I get a benefit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Circle of life, right? So Absolutely. people, when, if you're thinking that all these delivery apps are terrible and these restaurants are losing all this profit, they're actually making more because they're able to push more food out. They don't have to worry about having... You know, no guests, obviously, waitresses are going to suffer. There's not as many getting jobs. But when money moves from one part, it shifts to another. Mm-hmm. Just like energy cannot be created nor destroyed, yeah. money can't either. It just shifts somewhere else. Money is a form of energy. Yes. So, yeah. you know, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's You're right, though. Okay. Like, I got I to gotta package some stuff up to send to that daughter that posted that. <laughs> she, lives in, she lives in Calgary. For okay. the listeners, that's three hours south of me. You probably down the road. Yeah. yeah, it's three. You know, she well, it's quite closer to three and a half by the time you get to her house. Depends on the area of Calgary you're living. But I'm going to send her the parcel. It's probably going to cost me. I send her stuff a couple weeks ago too. I send her stuff all the time. It might cost me twenty five bucks, like you're saying. I couldn't yeah. drive to Calgary for twenty five bucks. No, and back again. No, you couldn't. I'd love so, to see my daughter, but well, <laughs> with yeah, COVID right. going with COVID going on, yeah. and like you said, it's just before Christmas. we've got more lockdown restrictions in place locked us down even more and christmas is canceled for everybody yeah pretty much not that the season's canceled but seeing no but the the visiting families is so she so i can't i was gonna go see her she was gonna come here i can't do that now but i want her to get her stuff from her grandparents and Mm -hmm. and from me so i'll put it in a box take it to the post office and sent to the courier Mm -hmm. there you go pay the money and Mm -hmm. appreciate the fact that I live in a society where that can happen. Exactly. You know, that brings up a really good exercise. And one one of the ways that we uh, encourage people and teach people how to stop worrying and anxiety is to uh, do something I call it, I call it quit the complaining club. Now, you know, we all know them, those people, you walk in the room and instantly, it, you know, you say, hey, what a beautiful day. Yeah, but it's probably going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've always got something bad that's going on. And, uh, and so we want to get away from that. So when we find a situation, and you just talked about, you know, with the COVID situation, there's government, you know, sort of Christmas is canceled. Okay. It's real easy to blame or to blame governments, to blame whoever, you know, hasn't dealt with this thing, to complain about the situation. But here's an interesting mind shift question for us. And it forces us to get creative and really start to um, uh, think about gratitude. And the question is, all right, Christmas is canceled. What can you find that is good about this situation? Takes a little stretching, but what are the things that you can find that is good about that situation? It's not what we chose, but it is what it is. Here we have it now. So what can we say that's good? Well, number one, uh, traffic accidents are going to go way down, especially you know with all the winter driving in Alberta. Um, gas consumption is going to go way down, and therefore uh, air pollution is going to go way down. Uh, I get to re- appreciate my own home and the comfort of my <laughs> easy chair. Uh, all right. I get to um, you know, spend more time uh, 
maybe just sitting, listening to some nice Christmas music, or I, you know, I'm a big fan of Christmas movies, and I, I get to watch them all because I don't have to be out traveling. Uh, my costs are going to go down. So there, you know, it, it takes a little bit of work, but we start to train ourselves to see, all right, what's good about this? And that trains us to be uh, more grateful. I did want to make sure, though, I, t I talked, I mentioned a couple of times, I want to talk about fear. And, okay, go for it. And, and that's an important element here. And that is, I want to talk about the difference between fear and anxiety. Now, fear is a really useful biological response that is built into our DNA. And it was put there millions of years ago when we'd be walking along and the saber-toothed tiger wanted to jump out and eat us. And it was put there because when we are threatened with a real and present danger, to use you know, Tom Clancy's <laughs> title, um, our bodies respond. They kick into red alert mode. And what happens is adrenaline starts to, you know, you, your eyes or your ears sense uh, an impending danger. And so your body responds instantly and your uh, cortisol starts pumping into your bloodstream. It's referred to as the stress hormone. Uh, adrenaline starts pumping into your bloodstream. And what that does is it readies your body for action. So let, forget saber-toothed tigers, they're long gone. But let's say you're walking along the street and you're turned across the street, you step out in the street and you look and there's a bus coming. Ah, okay, now that is a real and present danger. If you don't do something right now, you're gonna get flat. So your body kicks in, we have this response, your body is primed, you actually get stronger, your reflexes get faster, and you jump back onto the curb, the bus goes by, whew, the emergency's over. And then the adrenaline stops pumping and the cortisol stops pumping and gets flushed from your system. Your, breath, your heart rate, your breath rate goes back down. And then you might look both ways before you cross the street next time. So that's fear. And that's perfectly fine. The difference between fear and anxiety, though, is anxiety and worry, they are kind of, let's call them a subset of fear. They're a form of fear, but they're a response to what we perceive as a threat that is more somehow vague or off in the distance, whether it's distance, you know, physical distance or time distance. And we're not entirely sure what action we should take because we perceive that there's this threat, somehow we're being threatened. And, you know, again, it could be, um, you know, I'm worried about my finances in retirement. Okay, that's a threat, but it, it's vague and it's way off there somewhere. And yet our body does not know, all it says is, oh, the mind has perceived threat. And so the body kicks into emergency red alert mode, the adrenaline pumps, the cortisol pumps, and, but we don't know what to do. We don't know how to take action. Now, those substances that get into our body are designed for emergency use. And the definition of emergency is something that happens like right now and I got to deal with it and then it's gone. And like the fire department, it's really good to have it around, but the best days are the days when we don't need it. <laughs> And, uh, but if we stay in a state of chronic anxiety or chronic worrying, and these substances, these hormones keep circulating throughout our body, 
they weren't, our body wasn't designed to have that constantly in there. And some really toxic things start to happen. Like cortisol, if we have a, a constant presence of cortisol, that can very quickly lead to diabetes and heart disease and all kinds of some really nasty long-term effects. So that's the difference between fear and worry and, and, and anxiety. So recognize the difference and say, okay, I'm having this fear response, but I don't know what to do. There's nothing necessarily that I can do right now. And so I want to recognize the difference and say, okay, there is no value in me having this anxiety response right now. It's not changing the situation. So maybe I will stop worrying and choose a different thought, move into problem solving mode instead of worry mode, move into gratitude mode. You know, there's all kinds of move, you know, reaffirm what my purpose is, replace this worry with what's my purpose now get back on, centered on that. So there's all kinds of different things that we can do. There's Absolutely. one other, there's one other thing that I want to suggest. Uh, I, I talked about two mental habits to replace worry with. One was uh, gratitude. The other was this replace it with purpose. But there's a third one that I think is very, very useful. And I call it instant action. Now, let's say it's two o'clock in the morning and you're wide awake worrying about, you know, fill in your favorite worry topic there. And you're just, and you're desperate to go back to sleep. You're trying to go back to sleep and you're tossing and you're turning. And now you're worried about worrying and worried about not enough sleep in addition to all the things you were worried about before. So what do you do? Here's what you do. Stop trying to get back to sleep. Stop trying to worry. Get up, get out of bed go out into your living room or your kitchen or wherever, sit down and say to yourself, all right, this is the thing that I'm worried about. What is something, anything, what is some action I can take in the next five minutes that will help me address this thing that I'm worried about? So let's say you're worried about your, your money. You're worried about uh, finances. All right, it's two o'clock in the morning. Get up, pull out a piece of paper and make yourself a budget for the next 30 days. You know, all right, here's what my expenses are. Here's what my income is or my, cost, my uh, resources are, et cetera. Sit down, write a list, make it all out. Let's say you're worried about your health. Let's say, you know, you're, you've got a doctor's appointment coming up and you know you have not been eating right and exercising lately and you're worried about a bad diagnosis. All right, what? It's three o'clock in the morning, get up. What can you do? All right, go online right now. And you know, if you want, order yourself a Peloton bicycle and it'll be shipped to your house tomorrow and you can start getting yourself in shape. Or go online and join uh, uh, an online fitness class. There's hundreds of them now, you know, where you can have virtual fitness classes. Or go online and say, uh, and look up dietary things that you can change. Now, what is happening here is the dynamic of this worry is shifting because worry tends to control us. It kind of occupies us. And by getting up and taking this instant action in the middle of the night, you shift the dynamic. So now instead of the worry owning you, you own it. And you have taken charge of it and said, here's what I've done something about it. And then before you go back to bed, 
write down three things that you can do in the next 24 hours, three additional things you can do in the next 24 hours to help you address this challenge that, you're, that you've been worrying about. And now the dynamic has dramatically shifted because you're the one in charge anymore. The worry is no longer in charge. You are the one in charge. And with that feeling, you feel empowered. You feel strong again. You don't feel knocked back on your heels. And with that feeling and having, okay, now I've got my budget or I've got my new diet guidelines here. I've set up an appointment with the financial advisor, whatever it is, you can do those things in the middle of the night these days. Now you can go back to bed and you're gonna go, you're gonna fall asleep and sleep like a baby because you have taken control of the situation. Here's one, you, you talked a little while ago about the words that we use in, you know, in society and the way we talk about it. And there's an important uh, vocabulary element to anxiety and worry. Um, imagine for a second that you've, you're in the kitchen getting dinner ready and you're chopping vegetables and the knife slips and you cut your finger. Well, that cut on your finger hurts like heck uh, and it's probably bleeding or something. And you say, I have a cut. And now you go to the bathroom and get some Neosporin or something and a Band-Aid and you put it over and it's fine. Now you have a cut, your finger hurts like heck, but your left foot is just fine. You know, it feels great. Um, you also look at the finger and think, okay, that cut, you know, it might take a few days, but I know that it's going to heal. Even a bad cut, you know, I have to go to the doctor and get some stitches or something. I know it won't be like that permanently. So the terminology we use is I have a cut. I have the flu. I have a broken leg. But when we talk about worry and anxiety, we say, I am worried. I am anxious. And what that does, that shift in language, makes that who you are. We don't say, I am a cut. No, I have a cut. And that, makes, that minimizes it. It means I'm in control of it. If I have some concerns, okay, that's fine. What are you going to do about it? But if I am worried, it's like I am, you know, uh, a 66-year-old uh, white male. I am, uh, you know, all these various things. I am. This is part of my identity. And that's how it starts to take control of us. So if we simply shift our language a little bit, it starts to put us back in control instead of it controlling us. Yes, I have some concerns. We all have some concerns. That's, no, that's pretty normal. That's pretty natural. But I am not, um, uh, am. Worried is not something I am. And just that little shift helps us to start taking control of it. Completely agree, 100%. So, David, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Mm. All right. Here's the giving a heck. How many of your listeners give a heck about the, what they put into their mouths, the food they eat and the, what they take into their bodies? I imagine most of them do. You know, yeah, some of us we, will have the odd junk food uh, binge, but for the most part, we're very careful about what we put into our bodies because we're concerned about our health. Here's where you want to give a heck. 
Start being far more careful about what you allow into your mind. Uh, Tony Robbins, the great uh, motivational speaker, he says, stand guard at the doorway of your mind. And so when we are listening to all this blaming and complaining, when we're watching 24-7 news that's just nothing but bad, 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 I'm really careful about the entertainment that I choose. You know, if there's a movie that I love watching movies, but give me something from Pixar any day of the week, you know, and, or a, a rom-com that makes me ball like a, you know, like a baby at the end of it. But don't give me anything that makes me feel scared or um, uh, threatened or reduces my self-esteem because I will turn it off. I am so careful. I give a big heck about what goes into my brain. Um, far and far even more careful than what goes into my mouth and you know and what goes into my body so there's a great place to to give a heck as to well, that's a great well that's a great message um it, it is so imperative i talk about and teach and educate all the time about associations and it's with people and it's not and i tell them everybody thinks associations is who you hang out with but what do you associate and what do you put in between the six inches between your ears? Mm -hmm. Entertainment is great, but if you watch a TV show or a movie and you live within that world or you yeah. connect with it too much, then it's not entertainment. No, it's no. Feeding your, it's feeding your negative mindset. And like you said, you avoid stuff that, that creates fear or anxiety. Um, I don't necessarily have to do that. I, I can still get entertainment from a, sure. a action film, but I do love. Oh yeah, I'm a I do great love Pixar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love Pixar. I like the romantic yeah. comedies. I like mm -hmm. that stuff too. Yeah. But I use it as a pure. So listeners use it as a pure form of entertainment. Even the music mm -hmm. you listen to. Yeah. If you're down, why are you listening to depressing music? Exactly. If you're down, why are you watching a a crap show that is not the reality of life that makes you feel worse yeah yeah but people it seems like we're wired as a society we look for that stuff we put on the most depressing music when somebody's mm. broke up with us or or, or a client you know something doesn't work uh, right in our family mm -hmm. and and you know it, it it is so important you're so right what we what we feed ourselves and what we put in our mouths and into our minds are so important I don't know necessarily if I 100% agree that people worry about what they eat when we have an obesity problem in North America yeah, <laughs> all right sure. they should I agree with you yeah. there but I don't think a majority of people even those that are listening to this do you actually worry about what you put in your mouth do you read mm -hmm. the nutritional labels do you worry about how many calories you're putting into your body and do you actually need that amount do you wonder why all of a sudden you used to be slender and now you got a tire or you're even bigger than that and uh yeah nutrition is so important for our bodies because mm -hmm. our our heart our pardon me our head our body our heart all work together right we're mm -hmm. one engine we're working together start feeding your body healthy start feeding your mind healthy right there's lots of ways you can do it take baby steps reach out to david or myself and my next question is going to be exactly that our time is almost out up and i want to respect our listeners and your time however before we end can you please tell the listeners what's the best way to reach you 
best way to reach me is, is uh, join our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group called Fearless Living and Growth Society. Just go on Facebook, search Fearless Living and Growth Society, and you'll pop up, you know, and fly. We'll bring you in there because we talk about all of this stuff there, and we teach you how to stop worrying. Uh, we have a website called i-fearless.com. Lots of resources on there where you can go and learn more. And if they're interested, they can get in touch with me directly. I always respond. You know, nobody filters my stuff. They can email me at david at i-fearless.com. Send me an email. Uh, say, hey, David, I'm, you know, what can I do about stop worrying a little bit more? I, I worry too much. I overthink things. I doubt myself too much. I spend too many times, oh, you know, going around and around in circles. Or maybe there's a loved one you know, that you know that, that suffers from this. I've had a number of people say, you know, my daughter or my son, you know, just little, what can we do to help them? And, uh, oh man, can that's they ever exactly, help? <laughs> that's exactly why you're on this show. Thank, because thank you've, you. You, you've dug your way out. You've figured things out. doesn't matter at what age we do it at. And nope. you're now going out. You gave a heck about yourself. You pulled your bootstraps up. And now you mm -hmm. go out and you educate society on a global basis on how mm -hmm. to stop worrying. And like my mantra is helping people live life on purpose, not by accident. That's and exactly worry right. is so part of so much ingrained in our society and why they live by accident. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. And I'll make sure that information is put into the show notes, which are, will be available when the mm -hmm. episode goes live at giveaheck.com podcast slash podcast. You can find all the show notes um, and how to get a hold of uh, David. And if you want an introduction or a connection and you're nervous, feel free to reach out to me. I'll make sure it happens. So David, thanks so much for being on Give a Heck. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.